0: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals, and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as entertainment and commentary only. The producers strive for verisimilitude, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence.
1: The existence, the physical universe, is basically playful. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at. This is Keep Your Hat On, a show by three nerdy nobodies about nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is brought to you by the Narrowband Broadcast Network. NBBN, the focus is on you. By PodSquadPDX.com, painless podcasting and by our currently non-existent supporters through Patreon. Patreon. Create. On your own terms. On this episode, Robert brings a giant megaphone to the party. Andrew brings a one-ton steel plate. And we introduce a new hat who's actually kind of old hat and is the real brains of this nerdy cabal. I'm your disembodied announcer, Michael Brumage, and now, let's get whatever the hell this is started. Here are your hosts, Andrew, Robert, and Chris. Hello, and welcome to
0: Keep Your Hat on the Show, where, hell, even we don't know where we're going to go. I'm Andrew Scott, along with my good friend, Chris Vacano, and my other good friend, Robert Anthony, and our new good friend... Dr. Mark C.E. Peterson. How you doing, guys? Yeah, doing great. Yeah, somebody awesome, start talking. Man. There we go. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> we're just here, as we say, we're just here. I'm talking to the wrong camera. Good thing I'll fix that and post. We're just here to have a good time, kind of hang out, and talk about shit that we find interesting. And we find a lot of shit interesting. But, uh... I don't know, anybody had anything interesting that's happened this past week? I know, Mark, you got your first uh, coronavirus
2: stab. I got stabbed uh, on Friday by a uh, fabulous uh, young nurse. Of course, it, at my age now, it's funny, everybody under 30 looks the same age. I'm having that thing happen.
0: Oh, that's happening and, to me,
2: uh, and I'm only in my 50s, buddy. Yeah, uh, it's, oh, just, it, it's weird. Kind of, um, uh, you know, remember when you were in your 20s, and or actually, remember when vaguely. you were 15, and you could tell, like, Thirteen-year-olds from fourteen-year-olds, and like oh yeah. By the time you're twenty, they all look like they're ten, and by the time you're thirty, they all look like they're ten.
0: Yeah, and when some, when you were dating somebody who was one year older than you, you were robbing or they somebody was robbing a cradle.
2: Oh yeah, uh, uh, it was
3: a big deal. Yeah, yeah. hell yeah.
2: Uh, She's out there. She knows who she is. Um, I will say this though, it's like one of the great things was a lot of you know I've had a lot of friends who are uh, twitchy about getting uh, stabbed. It's like oh I hate needles and stuff. It's like uh, this nurse was freaking brilliant and it's like i don't know if you guys have been stabbed enough to can tell when the nurse actually knows what they're doing when they when they give you the injection and it occurred to me that uh that they've had a ton of practice right anyway yeah yeah all the uh, all the
0: oranges that have been stabbed in the name of medical science
2: you know (laughs) you wonder
0: yeah no Uh, that's that's i had a friend of mine that just went through uh phlebotomy training and she was saying seriously I've eaten so many goddamn oranges because i we just go through them and so I've orange orange jello orange I yeah. guess the I guess the real uh the real good analog is actually not an orange it's a grapefruit a grapefruit has very similar surface tension to human skin and so the next time so wait, I'm, you do
2: do you peel it first and then you do that little membrane no, thing, or do you actually?
0: No, they're just stabbing at random oh. fruit. Yeah, oh. it's kind of oh. like fruit ninja yeah. in the medical world. But <laughs> uh, so folks,
4: when folks are training to be or uh, um, uh, practicing their tattoo artistry, yep, uh, in the beginning you know, they use grapefruits and oranges. Grapefruits, and, oranges, and oh.
0: Oh. and and uh, and uh pig pig fat and uh, pig oh. skin. Yeah, they'll go out. I it's a it's a great way to wind up with some really nice
2: pork belly after you're done. You know? Oh, I guess that would be an awesome <laughs> approach. It's a nice side um, I was thinking the the best um, the best stabbing I ever got actually was probably about twenty years ago. I was going. I think I was when I was going to Eastern Europe, and so I had like this slate of uh, immunizations that was you know this long, and I'm thinking, oh great, here we go. I'm gonna get about six of these in a row, and this uh, this woman was who looked by the way she looked exactly like Janet Reno. Which was kind of surreal. Um, uh, she was fantastic. And I actually finally commented on this and I said, You are awesome with the needle. She goes, I'm an acupuncturist too. <laughs> was like,
0: ah, there yeah. you go. Oh, mine, go was, uh, oh. mine was when I was in the mm. hospital for my uh, for my spinal in- injury back when I was 15, 83. Yeah. And uh, I had this one gal coming in and she was trying, to, I had to have uh, blood draws uh, twice a day because uh, one of the, one of the, side benefits of, uh, diving into a pool and breaking your neck, of course, is drowning. So, um, I had, uh, I had about, uh, I think they said three quarters of a gallon of chlorinated water in my lungs. And, um, so they needed to do blood draws and blood gases. Uh, and so for 30 days I had, uh, two blood draws and, um, this one young nurse was just having, I have rolling veins. I, my veins roll and this one candy striper was just having a hell of a time with me and if you're out there if you're out there my friend thank you for your care you were awesome and you were awesome awesome enough to say this is so not my gig and um i'm gonna go get i'm gonna go get the uh the anesthesiologist to come in and one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about anesthesiology is you are half anesthesiologist and half phlebotomist because oh. you gotta you gotta wire up everybody. You gotta you gotta and you gotta get it right the, the first time. And this guy came in and he looked for all the world like he should have been starring in you know the thing we do in the shadows. He was as vampire a looking dude as possible. And I was I was terrified of this guy. He came in and even though I couldn't move I just clenched up. And uh, he, you know, I said, I, I guess I'm being problematic, and he's like, "You will be no problem for me." And I, <laughs> at that point, I, was, <laughs> I nearly, I nearly had a spontaneous healing, got up and ran out. But this guy hit me so fast, I didn't know ah. what happened. And then I'm, I'm still thinking that he hasn't done anything to me. And again, I was paralyzed, couldn't use my hands, couldn't move, and oh, and. My. I got an itch on my nose. And I was like, can I ask a big favor? And he's like, what favor do you need? And I was like, I have an itch on my nose. And he was just, he just reached up and went, that nose? That's a, (laughs) and he just like that. And then I was like, okay, you ready to draw blood. And he's like, oh, I am done. You were in no trouble. Have a nice day. <laughs> and, you so then, you had and then the and others. then glided out without touching the ground with his cape <laughs> fluttering behind him. So uh yeah, I'm glad to hear you got the stab. Rob's fully stabbed, right, Rob? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what uh, were what, what uh, let's let's quick compare uh vaccines. Mark, which one did you get? I got Pfizer. Okay, you got Pfizer, Rob.
4: I also got Pfizer.
0: You got Pfizer. Can you advise Mark as to what he's going to look forward to on his second dose? Cuz I think people Mark, might people might like to hear about that.
4: Is peanut butter. Your uh the first dose, the first dose, you know that you get that little sore arm that's kind of akin to like a a, a tetanus shot? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The second one is just as bad, if not worse. The you get the added bonus of course of uh at least i had the added bonus of feeling fatigued overwhelmingly fatigued yeah for about two uh, a couple of days i was yeah it was just a couple of days but it's you know it's like one of those things you you as they talk about this as being one of the covid symptoms you don't really put your head around it until you're in that seat and it's just you get up you move around you go eat breakfast and you're you're ready to just get back into the couch or into the bed.
0: Right on. Um, yeah. I so think that, well, it's still better than being, du- that, Mark, you know, still being better than being hooked up to a respirator.
2: And technically, we kind of all have been practicing, like, laying in bed, like, for the last year. You have to face that.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, now, yeah.
2: <laughs> although. We're already, uh, we're ready, we're kind of ready for this now, you know. Yeah, Come on, I mean, bring that thing.
0: But, uh, yeah, Chris and I are still waiting to get our stabby stabs. Uh, yeah, it's, it's rather, waiting, waiting for yeah. that
3: magic, uh, for that magic text. Yeah, exactly. OHA. It is, uh,
0: it's weird because, um, you know, I, uh, I'm, I broke my neck, I, partial paralysis, I was a former smoker, I quit at the beginning of the pandemic. Pandemic. Uh, sure. I uh, I have partially paralyzed lungs and a partially paralyzed diaphragm. You'd think I'd have been higher up on the list, but I am not. And then, of course, you know, Chris, you you can talk to your own situations.
3: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm HIV positive, hemophiliac with uh, liver cirrhosis from my previous hepatitis C infection. And, uh, you always got to be yeah. better
0: than me. You always got to be more than me. Do, don't you?
3: <laughs> no, I just am.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, very, 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 very philosophical of you. Um, but yeah, Chris and I are, it's looking like the last week of this month, right? Still?
3: Uh, yeah, the, the mandatory deadline for our group to start to become eligible uh, as issued by the governor, is March 29th. So right, it could yeah. it could happen before then, mm-hmm. um, but it sh- it should definitely happen by then.
0: Well, uh, you know, we're going to say it, like I say, we're not very political here, but we are going to encourage everybody to get this vaccine, um, whatever vaccine, yeah, what get the damn shot, whatever is available to you, because the one thing that all the current batch of vaccines have in common is... You, yeah, you, there's chances that you might get COVID-19, but even the Johnson and Johnson shot shows near 100% efficacy at preventing hospitalization and death. So, and you know, that's what I was telling my partner the other day is I'm, I'm not fearful of getting a severe respiratory infection i'm fearful of dying from it with nobody being able to do anything so if this knocks it down to the point where it's it's pretty much always survivable Stab me in the
2: fucking face with it. Get let's get going. <laughs> so it's also going to take. It's also going to take out all these variants that have happened. You only get variants when the thing is spread around and had an opportunity to mutate. Right? Exactly. Right. Once, yeah. And once so it the starts, more
3: people get it. The lower the risk of variants.
2: Exactly. Emerging. Once it,
0: once it starts running up against a wall, the variants will naturally go down. And before anybody starts coming at me by saying you're an audiovisual professional, you don't know what you're talking about, you're not an epidemiologist. No. But my kid is an epidemiologist for the state of Oregon. So I kind of know what I'm talking about by proxy. Um, I listen to my kid. They're a very impressive young person, and they're not actually very young anymore because neither am I, and I keep on getting reminded by that. Every time I have to get my fat ass up out of the chair and waddle somewhere, but Um, yeah please do everything it takes we want to get to the other (laughs) side of this whatever the other side of this is i think that's something that's
3: important to say
2: is oh man
3: yeah it ain't going back to the way it was thank you yeah thank you for not saying normal because that's a confusing term to people and normal is a very nebulous sort of term i don't
0: know what normal meant before the pandemic
3: well you never knew it
0: normal was Andrew thanks I mean, boss thanks very much no. you know I, I, no, I'll wear that proudly got along so well I, exactly right yeah I'll wear that proudly but well, uh, then- yeah you know get do what it takes to get to the other side of this so that we can build something more tenable more uh, more uh, fair for people. Uh, and and something that we can all smile about. It's been a long-ass yeah, while for any of us to be able to truly smile about the lives that we're living. And Going forward. Um, yeah, exactly.
2: Yep. Exactly. You look back. For, uh, for me, it's been since 1980. <laughs> yeah, I've been looking forward to... Uh... <laughs> I'd like I'd like America back please. Right the way exactly. Before 1980 um, A exactly. more
3: a more equitable world. I'm yeah, watching. yeah, that one. Yeah. That one.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. Where we actually you know, one of the where examples. we actually give a shit about people. That would be
2: nice. Well, yeah, it's, it's where the selfishness wasn't like, you know, Anne Rand didn't take over culture at that. <laughs> had not quite taken over the culture.
4: Screw whether you get it or not. Right? You and there's data right now to show the Pfizer does not also cuts down uh uh transmissibility yeah right who doesn't want that Uh, um do it for your grandma right do it for your neighbor do it for your mom your dad do it for your kids
0: well do it for the people that you wouldn't even know personally that you might still impact it's Mm -hmm. it's easy and again we're, we're we're teetering dangerously on politics here but um We encourage everybody here at Keep Your Hat On, encourages everybody out there who is watching us. Get your shot. Take care of your fellow man. Keep wearing a mask. Keep washing your hands. And there will be a time when we don't have to do that anymore. But you know what? There's a big segment of the population, roughly one-third of the entire population of the planet, for whom mask wearing is old hat for like 20 years. And there's a reason why those numbers are lower. And that's because they already live in a culture where wearing a mask is not only some stigma, but not wearing a mask is frowned upon because it radios to everybody who sees you, you don't care about anybody but yourself. So let's all step up. Let's all do what it takes to get on the other side of this thing so that at some point in the very near future, you won't see three of us, or in this case, four of us, on four separate little islands uh, we'll be able to shoot this podcast here in my studio um, all together now and uh, we we look forward to that day although I gotta admit i'm I'm kind of grooving on the home grocery delivery yet <laughs> yeah
3: I've gotten I've gotten kind of hooked on that myself it's really. Or- it's if nice. It's going to well, you know, I figured out there are pluses and minuses to that. Well, there uh, the, exactly. You're not
0: spoiled for choice, you know, and uh, right. somebody else is making the decision of what cat litter they're gonna substitute for you. Right, but uh, small small price to pay for everybody's safety. And one other thing that we want to say for from everybody here at Keep Your Hat On to all those essential workers who are out there who are maybe listening to or watching us uh, as they go about their day, bringing us all our precious precious toilet paper, um, and and our and our ice cream. And ice cream is the thing that put all this weight on me. God knows, uh, we're really indebted to you, and we're really grateful. And uh, we want you to stay safe. Safe. Wow. We want you to stay safe and be healthy so that the next time we're actually all at the grocery store, we can thank you in person and not having to do it through the screen door. So,
2: Man, here's, some, here's something I never thought would be a political statement, right? Which is that that it's like uh, people who work in grocery stores and people who work in the service industry, for crying out loud, um, uh, should have been right up front with all of this. Like that, that seems to me to be a no-brainer. But... Oh, no, no. You know, it's like they're expendable to their bosses. Yeah. Just yeah. saying. And, uh, uh,
3: and, and, you know, that, that speaks actually to something that I've observed in the, in the past year that does seem to be shifting in uh, sort of our social consciousness. And that is this idea that employees are just material they're yeah. they're they're merely cogs and and as you said totally expendable. Uh I think we're seeing a real big transition in the thinking there and and yeah. uh, 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 there's 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 a lot of deconstruction going on which which I think is very healthy because that gives us the opportunity to rebuild something different and better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it also, you know, spins into uh uh Robert and uh I's uh main bailiwick of life, uh, being, uh, mindfulness based, uh, practice in Buddhism, where, you know, if you look at everybody else's other, and we're starting to see that that other is, is breaking down the concept of other is breaking down. And that's going to, that's going to pay dividends all throughout modern life. If we can really get past this idea that we are all our own independent individual little islands, and understand that the butterfly effect is real and that we we need to look at each other as one one thing almost as a super organism because if yeah what happens if all the essential workers suddenly stop essentially working what happens if they go away what happens if you don't if you repeatedly don't give a shit about your fellow man um, bad things happen. We're going to get more viruses coming out of the permafrost in Siberia, in the Arctic, because we didn't Mm -hmm. give a shit. And we looked at, well, and this is where Mark and I, our brain is, is one. Um, you know, if you look at nature as something other than yourself, you've, you're already in trouble. (laughs) You are already Mm -hmm. way in trouble. And, um,
3: you know, Andy, uh, what, what you're talking about there, um, it calls to mind a little sort of, I mean, for lack of a better word, mantra that I that I came up with for myself when I was a teenager, which was very simply, the smaller you're them, the bigger you're us.
0: Exactly right. Yeah, well, that's nice. Yeah. Anyways, tell you what, folks, we're going to be back in just a minute uh, on the other side of this break. We don't know what we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk about it with you. This is Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andy. That's Chris. That's Robert. And that's Mark. And we'll be back shortly. We're back on Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andrew. That's Chris. That's Robert. And that's Mark. And we're going over to Robert. Robert, what do you got for us today?
4: Let's talk about the mystery at 35.0056 degrees north, 116.1963 degrees west, also known as the Sentinel Enigma, also known as the Mojave Megaphone. Okay. <laughs>
0: Hit me! Uh-oh. Hit me! I want this.
4: So, uh, in the middle of the Mojave Desert, uh, just a short journey from a ghost town uh, called uh, Cruciro, California—it's in California—is uh, the enigmatic Mojave Mi- Megaphone.
0: That's a That's that. a that's a mighty mouthful.
4: And, and it's, it's called that because of its resemblance to a loudspeaker, of course. The area is very remote and desolate. Uh, to reach it, someone would need to use a four-wheel drive vehicle, drive through the Mojave River, uh, then on dirt roads and through sand. It's uh, located close to the Mesquite Spring, about halfway between the towns of Baker and Ludlow. Boy, that is uh, and, an that is an uh,
0: armpit. I've I've been in that part of the world, and there is a whole fat lot of nothing out there.
4: So yeah, I between, have never heard of this. Between, oh yeah, you travel, and on top of this hundred and fifty foot rocky hill, you're going to find a giant rusted megaphone. Uh, it's securely bolted to two rocks.
0: <laughs> so this this <laughs> this is a
3: man-made object and and intentionally placed
2: can let's, you share a screen and put up a picture of this thing by the way this is hilarious yeah this is messed up weird that <laughs> out there we go wow yeah you want to call this up and have a look okay yeah that's full-on weird
4: yeah it's oh, it's, it's fascinating weird. Dude, we're just starting. We're just starting down this rabbit hole.
3: I think like
0: I, I think said, we really should rename these segments. Down the rabbit hole. Because that's where we wind <laughs> up going. Yeah.
4: I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, it's on top of a 150-foot-high rocky hill. Right. Um, it's securely bolted uh, to two rocks.
0: Yeah, for people listening um, to our has- audio podcast, this, this place really does look, for all the world, like the surface of Mars.
4: Uh, it's securely bolted with two, uh, to two rocks with a crosshair inside and the object's alignment is north and south. Why? We'll get there.
0: We'll get gotcha.
3: There. Trust me. Is this it, is it, a- is it, is it true north south? I mean, is it, is it like, or
0: is it North I don't right.
4: know whether it's actually true north south, but what's, what's true north, right? Yeah. Well, wow, true north point. has changed in the last couple keeps, of years. Because keeps moving.
0: Meta- yeah. Right?
4: Yep. North is 50.
0: And, and so, how, how big uh, is this thing again, Robert? Do you have a measurement on how great. long it is?
4: I'm glad that you asked.
0: Well, I'm just, I'm it's I'm the setup places, man.
4: It's eight feet. Holy crap. Four meters. Uh, it's it's uh, uh It's cumbersome and, and would have required a lot of effort to put it there in the desert with no road access.
0: Right. Um,
4: estimates. It's around somewhere. You know, the, the estimates that I could find were uh, somewhere between six and eight hundred pounds.
0: I was, was gonna say, having having industry in my background, I can see from where that flange is that the uh, the large. The large bell of the megaphone probably right there weighs about 500 pounds. So, yeah, you put the other yeah. side of it on, I can easily see six to eight. And it's on, it looks like the back end is, it's supported by some kind of spring. Yeah. Yeah. A there's a YouTube yeah.
2: video for this too. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, there's All right.
3: a couple of them. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm, 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 I'm looking at this and my, my immediate hot take is that somebody was out four wheeling back there in their jeep in their jeep willies and they drop their transmission and
0: it kind of (laughs) it kind of does look a little transmission-esque so anyways robert robert what's the what's grab
4: that and take that up yeah so what's
0: the what's the theory here
4: you know uh it's a riddle It, it nobody knows how this uh heavy artifact got there no one knows how long it's been there either uh um, there are no markings on it to indicate what it is, or where it was made. Uh, in and like I said, it's in two pieces. Each piece is very heavy, and would have would have taken a few people uh, uh, probably to carry it and drag it up there. Still, it would be really difficult.
0: And that's you know, not an easy. It. If you look and at the look surrounding, at the if you look time. at the surrounding hill or whatever we're going to call that, that rocky precipice. Uh, that's a significant scramble up that thing, even if you're not encumbered, um, and have some decent climbing experience, having to haul that son of a gun up even in two pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Now
3: now another, another thought here and, and, and a little more serious, you know, less, less than my, my flippant remark. Um, it, it does also look considerably like a rocket nozzle. It and, does look a bit like it
0: looks like a like a bell from that.
3: That, pr- that prompts the question of what if it was already there, and someone went up to it and just put in the mountings? That would be a considerably easier set of tasks.
0: But the one thing that we can say is that.
1: It's never fucking aliens.
2: Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Hey, the lizard people are aliens.
0: Uh, Well, I'm sure we'll be. I'm sure Robert's going to be giving us the lizard people talk uh,
3: in a a near future episode.
4: There's always somebody that's going to say that it's an alien.
3: Yeah. What's his name? That guy on uh, the History Channel. Oh, yeah.
4: Right? (laughs) 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 Yeah. I'll see if I can't drop him
0: into the mix. But I mean, is there a is there a, th- a working theory going on
4: here, Robert? Oh, there's a couple of them.
0: Okay, number one, of it's aliens. Okay, number two, uh, uh, it's a device. Okay, moving right <laughs> on.
4: With aliens, right? Okay. Uh, I don't know. It could be, you know, maybe the crickets get lonely.
0: You mean the scorp? You mean the scorpions? The <laughs>
2: giant mojave crickets
0: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah
4: that's what i'm saying maybe they put it there
0: it's a hell of a looking thing uh,
4: the first one is is uh uh x marks the spot so the northern alignment uh uh so looking north points directly uh at a a distant hill with some peculiar features on it okay uh scattered around this hill is a large or large boulders with petroglyphs um mm. from the nomadic uh Shema Weavey, I believe I'm pronouncing that all right. Uh, Shema Weavey, uh uh people um most likely they drew this hundreds of years they drew these these uh, Petros, uh hundreds of years ago uh the tribe knew a lot about the Mojave desert uh,
0: like you do when you live in a you desert you, you tend to know your terrain
4: like including water sources like Mesquite Springs. They probably stayed there. There's, there's a, you know, maybe they stayed there, uh, certain times out of the year, or they used the spring has a water source during their travels. Maybe the Shema left a map and a guardian to protect a secret.
0: Hmm. Oh, well, the one thing I'm not getting is that is this thing entirely hollow? Is it, hollow all the way through or does is there something at that flange point
4: no uh there are some crosshairs in it 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 again uh, a tool pointing out uh, a a location um has it points north and and it looks at those petroglyphs and those rocks it could be the location of a cave system uh Mm -hmm. that extends for hundreds of miles
0: Hmm. There are a lot of caves in the Anything desert. Mean, Most people don't know that, that the, the southwestern desert and the Mojave is riddled with caves.
4: Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. So this might point to a cave system that reaches hundreds of miles and may even, oh, there may even be a huge hoard of gold.
2: Ah. Um, <laughs> all right. There, there okay. you go. The, treasure, the treasure of the enigma.
0: Well, and one of the things that we'll have to go over here soon, speaking
4: of the enigma, that's really good.
0: One of the things we'll have to go over here in a future show is uh, one of my favorite topics, and that's Finn's treasure uh, that was just recently found.
2: When was this thing first? uh, When do we first hear about this thing, Robert? When does it show up in the historical?
4: I can't find find when it starts to pop up. Uh, I really can't. Uh, uh, so back, back in 34, uh, door, uh, says something about, uh, black sand beaches along the underground river are loaded with a fortune of gold and nuggets. So, uh, uh again, supporting that, that cave system theory, the, the one, I don't know, you know, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. what about chemical or weapons testing?
0: Yeah, that's kind of where my head was yeah. going. Combined with, uh, you know, one of the things that I nerd out on that I, actually we're going to be touching here uh, in a in a segment coming up is um, the other enigma that that exists is all these giant arrows uh, that are all across the United States that can be seen from the from the air only um, that are. Uh, essentially, people wondered about it for years, but we know now that uh, they they were used uh, to help uh, in the Cold War guide uh, guide strategic Air Command pilots oh. who might have lost uh, communications and navigation. Uh, so there are literally arrows that point all around the United States, and I'll throw a link up to that as well. but mm. um, yeah this 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 smacks of Cold War mystery.
4: Well, let's go down that hole, right? So, transporting uh, a chemical agent to a location like this was usually done, or, or to any location, was usually done by rail. Oddly enough, there remains an old railroad track that exists in the past below the hill. Hmm. Uh, perhaps the object was a type of siren to warn troops that a train carrying chemical weapons was on its way it looks I also sireny found a map i also found a map where there was there is close by uh at least there it used to be a chemical weapons testing range uh. military exercises have been conducted in california deserts as far back as 1859 uh when Fort Mojave was built actually today there's four major installations um within west the west Mojave mm-hmm. uh, that includes the naval air weapons station which is China Lake yeah uh it includes Fort Irwin it includes Edwards and it, it also includes uh, a Marine Corps air ground combat center in 29 Palms. Now, in November of 43, the U.S. Navy set up. This is great. This is where it gets juicy. <laughs> the U.S. Navy set up a test station near the town of Injorken. I hope I'm pronouncing that right as well.
0: Uh, they um, they can't sue us anyways. Don't worry about it.
4: <laughs> this uh, test station was codenamed Project Camel mm. and collaborated with mm. the Manhattan Project.
0: As everything
3: was back Interesting. then. Interesting. Yeah.
4: The site was used to produce rockets and aircraft weaponry before being used to trail the paths of of model atomic bombs being dropped, uh, from a B 29 super fortress.
2: Right. Uh,
4: so that's, so that's just a little history of what's going on in there. Uh, the Nevada testing site, now the Nevada national security site isn't too far away. That's where all, uh, of us uh continental nuclear weapons are tested right these things these, these tests were conducted above ground until 63 and now have been since moved underground so uh there's a theory that it is part of a rocket system a perhaps a pipeline ventry going to to what chris was kind of talking about uh, uh it's an hourglass enclosure that's used to control the flow and rate of a fluid But really a hundred feet on that, on that ridge.
0: Well, and the thing that I see when I look at that is the, the, the frustrated machinist in me looks at that and goes, you've got two bells that are attached, uh, by a flange that are bolted together. I can see that they used um, old square bolts. So for me, that says pre 1952, when we switched over to hexagonal bolts. Um, And there doesn't seem to be a way, there doesn't seem to be a way to mount anything on the smaller end. Um, Because, you know, both, both those pieces are conical. I'm interested in the crosshairs. um, And I'm interested in the potential acoustic properties of this. Mm, Because, yeah, well, okay, then let's get there.
4: It's also said to uh, that the megaphone was, in fact, a siren, uh, used to warn personal or personnel and clear out an area before a test was conducted. Um, it has some similarities to a siren circa 1940, 1950s. Mm-hmm. Uh, such tests were conducted in secret and remote areas of the Mojave desert. like this during that same yeah, during that same time period. And so there's another theory uh that it is a measuring instant in, instrument for instance for detecting long wave, long range shock waves uh because it has crosshair shaped metal strips mm-hmm. inside of it uh others believe a gun sight or a sighting device of some sort its proximity to edwards is a much bigger clue edwards is where uh, the Air Force did a lot of sound barrier experiments, including Jaeger's oh. famous flight. See, now we're getting in,
0: now we're getting somewhere that I feel intellectual traction
3: with.
4: I, I saved the best for last.
0: Eh? Oh, like you always do.
3: Can uh, can I interrupt here for one second? W- one of the pieces that really fascinates me about this is is as you're as you're sort of. Uh, unwinding these these different theories and interpretations, Uh, one of the things I keep tripping up on as I'm looking at this object is it's it's got these little stabilizer wings on both cones.
0: Yeah, I see uh, that
3: evenly spaced. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't get my head around what the possible purpose of that would be in the context of what you're talking about?
0: Well, that to me looks like something that's used to uh, provide stability inside a larger assembly as, as a joining flange. They are mm-hmm. on both the large bell and the small bell. It looks to be that there are at least um, at least five of them uh, uh, around because I'm not seeing it uh, on 45 degrees. It looks like they're uh, more like uh, like 30 degrees. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm thinking acoustics. Cause the other thing about this is it does not appear that it is adjustable. You cannot change the orientation of this thing. It is hard bolted down in its forever orientation on two large rocks.
4: Yeah. And I could see where, uh, uh, it being of some sort of, of, measuring instrument uh related to either flight in terms of shock or sound waves
0: mm-hmm. and part there of me is even, wondering if maybe this is aimed in a certain direction waves. go ahead
4: even shock go ahead
0: well that's what i was going to say you just mentioned shock waves i'm thinking something along the lines of this is somehow aimed either at russia or at uh one of our large testing facilities to es- essentially funnel a shock wave from a distance in order to measure its, its, its force. Mm. Good. You know, well, if
4: you look at, at the map and we'll link, we'll link to all this below, of yeah. course, but uh, uh, there's a map that I have that, that shows right where that chemical site was mm-hmm. chemical test, right? Who knows what that was?
0: Maybe it's a big um, nose,
4: you know, even if it was a nuclear test, You'd still want to measure, you know, I could see those guys wanting to measure sound or shock waves. Oh,
0: absolutely. Uh, and uh and maybe
4: the fins just stabilize it. Because you're right. One part of it is is built on springs and you can't really see the other side, but I would imagine that might be spring loaded as well. Yeah. And so uh uh that just might stabilize it in in, in yeah. the path of some immense shock.
2: Well bring the this flanges through. all have the flanges on the pictures I'm looking at, the flanges all have holes through them yeah they look like they belong some yeah it it Mm -hmm. it does it does look like
0: it it does look like something that should either attach or go into something else you know it looks like a part of something bigger but at the same time it also kind of looks like a 1952 beat poet art installation on top of a rock (laughs) it does so it does well bring this home for us robert
4: well you know uh i i gotta say i i think yeah what's is... what's
0: your favorite what's your favorite of these theories
4: aliens no i'm <laughs> joking um
0: it just gives me an opportunity to drop that soundbite in again
1: it's never fucking aliens
4: A- alien ants huh oh stem. Them. Uh, uh,
1: man,
0: man. Yeah, i man. love that movie
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's absolutely got something to do with with the military. Yeah, it's Cold War something.
0: It's Cold War something. There are legacies of Cold War research all over the place. Um, That
4: desert is so fast and so expansive, and there are so many weird and interesting things out there that we don't even know about because it's... It's the desert.
0: It's the desert, and the desert keeps its secrets unless somebody gets out there with a high-resolution camera and takes the picture that I'm looking at. Tell you what, everybody, we're (laughs) going to be back in just a minute. Um, Again, links to this fascinating research by Robert below. This is Keep Your Hat On. That's Mark Peterson. That's Chris Vacano. That's Robert Anthony. I'm Andrew Scott. We'll be back in just a minute. And we're back. This is Keep Your Hat on the Show, where we don't even know where we're going to go. I'm Andrew Scott, along with Robert Anthony and Chris Vicano, and our good friend, Dr. Mark C.E. Peterson, Professor of Philosophy in the University of Wisconsin. What are we calling that ecosystem now? What's the official name? Wow. It's changed a lot since I was there.
2: Uh, Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I was was farmed out to um, University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee, so I worked for those... I work for them now.
0: All That's right. That's our new well, mothership. Yeah, exactly. The boss. Um, one of the things that we want to make a quick mention of is if you're enjoying the podcast, number one, we want to do this for a while, and we would really appreciate your support. So as always, and I'm sure you're sick of hearing it, but please like, click, and subscribe. If you hit that, bu- that bell button, you'll know when we have a new episode up. We're going to be trying to do two episodes every month at a minimum. We might jump in with some special content when we uh, all uh, find something uh, interesting that we feel you need to know about right away. But you can also uh, support us through Patreon and uh, do uh, drop into our website which is KYHOPodcast.com uh, most of the links that we're going to be having uh, here uh, on our YouTube channel, and for those of you who are listening, um, yeah, go to the website, because we're going to be mirroring a lot of our content and our discoveries and our links over there for each episode, and we'll also have episode breakdowns and a few other fun things. But uh, do uh, you know, give us a like, click, and subscribe, and support us if you can, because we're really going to be trying to do something fun here, and something that... Might be a little bit different, uh, where you don't have to sweat hearing uh, the the latest uh, news of the day. Uh, we'd like to actually be something that puts a smile on your face. So uh, support us if you can.
2: Now, there's important work. There's important work to be done here, Andrew. Uh, we just talked about this enigma in the desert. Right. Um, I've been exploring the uh, ongoing enigma of how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop Tootsie Well, roll. that that is a that is an age-old question. The answer, the official answer, as we know okay sorry
4: robert said i said how far how far down this have you gotten to
2: uh, we're getting there well 50 57 right now but (laughs) you know the official answer for years was three yeah we'll remember (laughs) but again this is part of this is one of the mysteries that we have to continue to explore it's it's so important
4: per square inch is is a, a is an owl's beak because i have a feeling that that can
0: you know, Robert, I've all, I've wondered about that a lot.
3: Yeah. yeah so, now, before, yeah, before we wander into the owl's beak, <laughs> I've, I've got a philosophical question. Now, wait a minute. About, I,
0: I, I have to remember wanders into pop. the, I have to remember wanders into the owl's beak because that is going to be the name of a song <laughs> that I write at some point in my future because it's Wonderful. awesome.
3: <laughs> Wonderful. Uh <laughs> um, so, so w- we we need to establish a definition here. You know what, what actually constitutes getting to the center, to the tootsie roll center of a tootsie pop? Oh. Is it is it one little one little spot of exposure, or is it all of the hard candy removed from the from the yeah, tootsie the roll portion, thing. or when or is it somewhere in between?
2: Floor. See, we've no, all no, done this though. We've all done this right where you get most floor. of it, the hard candy almost gone and there's like this thin shell left over. And
0: it's do I crush I, it or those, not?
2: Like, it always reminded me of like peeling um, uh, marshmallows after you roast them and you're, like, you're being really careful to get that last layer off, you know. And then you just hit it with a tooth and the thing cracks and then you gotta start over. It. Well, I uh
0: you eat marshmallows weird. Who peels their marshmallow, buddy? When you
2: roast them? Are you kidding? You don't do that? No, it's just in, in face hole. The
1: hell I'm a gonna
3: die on. No, yeah, no. I've, I've, no, I've done yeah. that. Uh, yeah, because then. No, wait. Do you, you re-roast? S- do you re-roast no. after you've cleaned it off? No, no. 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 You, you, yeah. you pull the top off and you get just the soft gooey part.
0: Because then it's like the it's like the never-ending gobstopper of marshmallows, where you oh, can just oh, roast yeah, it, suck it know. off, roast it, clean it off, on, on, and on.
4: Roast it, take the skin off, <laughs> with the
3: skin, okay, roast okay, it. Okay, and then. And 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 there's the song that I'll be writing, which is roast it, suck it off, clean it off. <laughs> Jeez.
0: I apologize. I apologize. So I'm going to switch us over here to
2: to a uh, uh, to a different good segment. Shot. This was supposed to be an introduction to your enigma, Andrew.
0: Uh, so please, whatever. Please
2: on, yeah. uh, <laughs>
0: it's all fine. It's all good. By so the way, I have
2: an answer about. I just looked up the answer for owl oh, beaks. The answer yes. is. 125 pounds per square inch damn
4: holy crap wow. that is that like significant
0: if i remember right a large a rat trap beak. a large you know a huge killer rat trap is about 200 pounds per square inch so you're talking wow. about an owl's beak is is the better part of the strength of a large rat trap and um, there's a know, fact actually, you know
2: now <laughs> yep i have one more little detail oh, here that the oh, sighting- oh please The site I found this at is actually better than the answer. The site is called 11 Birds Who Could Beat the Shit Out of Me. And we will be linking to that shit
0: down below because that's that's something that we all need to look into. I'll
2: send send you the
0: link. Oh, bless your heart. So what I want to talk about today is something that I find absolutely fascinating. I'm wearing the wrong shirt today. Today I'm wearing the uh, logo of the uh, Nostromo, um, but... uh, I'm a space nerd. Have always been a space nerd, uh, and um, one of the things that I uh, am, am endlessly fascinated with, of course, is the spacecraft that we have out in our solar system. And you know, we're doing this just a few weeks after we successfully again landed on Mars with one of the craziest ass contraptions you've ever seen. The uh, the the Perseverance Mars rover is an absolute marvel of engineering, where that thing came screaming down through the atmosphere, threw off a shield, piloted itself down by being able to ordinate and look at the surface of Mars and actively navigate its way down while unable to communicate back to Earth. Everything was autopilot. All, everybody uh, in in NASA refers to that as the seven minutes of terror because they are completely incapable of communicating with it. And then, when we got down through the thin atmosphere, and we were about eh, a couple hundred yards off the surface, this thing dropped a sky crane and literally hung the thing and touched it down on its landing perfectly. And, and by the way, I don't know, have any of you seen the, uh, the, the parachute shot of the Perseverance rover landing?
2: Yep. This Not is yet. this is
0: such ultimate nerd points. This is such ultimate nerd points. It is a red and white striped canopy, and the red patterns on the canopy in binary actually spell out the slogan of the the NASA team that sent the the lander to Mars. Oh, brother. Yeah, that's you just... Have just been <laughs>
4: elevated. You've just been elevated in geek status.
0: Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll, yeah that's, that's, that's ultimate geek points. Other spacecraft, you know, I mean, I'm of the generation, Chris, Robert, and I are all of the generation, Mark's uh, uh, paving the way for us. But of course, you know, we grew up watching us go out into our, our first major forays out into the solar system. And the currently the farthest away man-made object probably is voyager one which uh according to uh according to my information uh voyager one is uh approximately 13 billion miles away from earth uh it is it is past heliopause which is the zone where uh the sun's influence in the solar wind does not uh does not permeate out further uh from the center of our our solar system and that's where the heliopause. You're you're getting in the area of things like the Kuiper belt and the Oort cloud. And I just like saying Oort cloud because who doesn't want to say Oort? Um, and the Oort cloud is where all our um, uh, most of our cometary bodies come from. Voyager One is now moving out into the Oort cloud. Uh, this huge nebulous swarm of tiny, tiny icy bodies. Um, and is heading out into interstellar space. Um, but we've got Voyager one and Voyager two are very far away. They're all very fast moving objects up until the, uh, new horizons mission, uh, Voyager one and Voyager two were two of the fastest man-made objects ever. The new horizons probe that went to Pluto, uh, surpassed them in speed uh, uh-huh. mostly due to help from uh having done a number of elliptical orbits around the sun and getting getting gravitational assists from both venus, mars and jupiter i believe um right. but uh they were going hell bent for leather and
4: do we know how fast voyager 1 and voyager 2 are going Oh are absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, we 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 do know um that uh voyager 1 is uh, again it's 21 billion kilometers from earth and it is going i believe i want to say it's going at 38 miles per second what if i told you that there is a chance that the fastest man-made object in space is a manhole cover
4: (laughs) ha 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 I would buy it. Okay. I that would, would be worth that. knowing,
2: Andy.
0: Yeah. Did- yes, um, a manhole cover.
4: How did that get out there? How, how did it get out there?
0: With a really big boom. So in 1956, we were doing nuclear testing out in, oddly enough, Robert, the desert. As we're, mm. we were, for the first time, we were detonating... Nuclear bombs, nuclear weapons, doing nuclear tests underground. So in 1956, okay, they go, they go. were doing tests that were part of Operation Plumbob. and there was there was the the first underground nuclear detonation was done. But uh, the first subterranean test was the nuclear device test that was known as Pascal A and uh it was lowered 500 feet down into a borehole however the detonation that they achieved was 50,000 times greater than they had predicted oops right yeah Uh as as is so often the case with nuclear weapons that that one kind of uh surpassed our our own best efforts so um And and
4: so a little, yeah, a little bit
0: of this, a little bit of that, boom. So, what it wound up doing is it shot, yeah, it shot a jet of fire 500 feet into the air. Now, they all kind of went, maybe we shouldn't do that. So, what they did was on the Pascal B test, which, of course, there was going to be a Pascal B test because it was so much fun the first time.
4: On?
0: So when they yeah. when they put the nuclear device down into the into the ground down another 500 foot borehole, they plugged it with uh, a whole lot of concrete, and then they put a 900 so that always
4: kilogram, solves everything.
0: Right, exactly. They put a 900 kilogram, which is roughly uh, roughly a ton, 2,000 pound, yeah. one inch thick steel plate. And they fused it closed. Because now nothing bad is going to happen. (laughs) And they lit this puppy off. And what I've got here is when Pascal B was detonated, the blast went straight up the test shaft, launching the cap into the atmosphere at a speed of more than 66 kilometers per second. That is 41 miles per second, uh, or 240,000 kilometers per hour, or 150,000 miles per hour. Uh, oddly enough, the plate was never found. Now, yeah. um,
4: do, do they have a trajectory?
0: Well, here's the thing. Well, when you're going at that speed, you don't really have a trajectory. You just have straight ahead until morning. Um, a high-speed mm-hmm. camera, which back in the day, a high-speed camera for the 1950s was about a thousand frames per second. You can do that on your phone now, uh, but they they did have a a high-speed camera in place, shooting a thousand frames per second. Was focused on the borehole because studying the velocity of the plate was deemed scientifically interesting. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Annihilating all of us is not scientifically interesting, but watching a manhole (laughs) cover, that's scientifically valid. Um, So after the detonation, when looking at the footage, the plate appeared in one frame. Only one frame. And... it, but it, even even so, it was enough for Dr. Robert Brownlee, the person who is in charge uh, of this portion of the project, was able to measure its speed. And Brownlee joked that the best estimate of the cover speed from the photographic evidence was that it was, quote, going like a bat, end quote. Um, and he estimated that the explosion combined with the specific design of the shaft could accelerate the plate to approximately Six times the escape velocity needed to leave Earth.
4: I just want to know, can you put this in a timeline? I mean, where are we from this manhole cover to Sputnik? Because I'm just Very interesting that you sputnik. ask.
0: Sputnik was launched a few weeks later. Oh. So there is a chance that America oh, 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 actually did beat the Soviets <laughs> into space... <laughs> With, a With a manhole cover. With a manhole cover. <laughs> and what's also interesting is, I mean, there's some really good science, and I, I don't want to come off as 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 saying that that there is definitely a manhole cover in space. But there's a chance because we've never recovered it. We know it was going straight up like a bat, and yeah, there's a chance that it could have been it could have been partially vaporized due to the explosion to the to the nuclear explosion. It also, there's plenty of good science that says that at that speed, going through our atmosphere, it most likely would have vaporized or at least degraded so far as to not be a manhole cover anymore. But
4: I think that that's a perfectly good explanation as to why why the aliens came.
0: Well, that's why I wanted to follow you up with yours, because apparently... Apparently, there's a, there's, a, a, there's a big horn out in the Mojave Desert that's aimed at a nuclear testing site to try to track a manhole cover being launched into space. Um, <laughs> oh, right on! But, but what's, what's really interesting to me is that if by some chance this thing actually made it into space, going at the rate it was going, even if so much as a quarter made it into space at that velocity... It would be further out than Voyager and would definitely yeah, yeah. be the farthest man-made object from mm. the Earth. I so like there's there's a good chance that somewhere out just past the Oort Cloud is, is a... Uh, is a manhole cover uh heading towards uh the nearest star and i would love to think and mark will chuckle at this uh i'd love to think that uh it's just spinning over and over and uh from the right angle you can just see manitowoc
2: manitowoc 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 (laughs) boundaries exactly i'm sort of hopeful that i hope that i hope they find um voyager first i'm just gonna say i'm just gonna put that out there you mean Veeger? Oh,
3: be- well, yeah, Veeger,
2: yeah, Veeger, <laughs>
3: Yep. So. Now, now, I find that I find this actually a little unsettling in one regard, and that is that what you're saying is that we have essentially blind fired a projectile into outer space, <laughs> and 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 I see it, I see it. I mean it's eventually going to hit something and yeah, if we, and knowing knowing our dumb luck it's going it's going <laughs> yeah. it's going to hit some other alien satellite they're going to get pissed off think it's an no, act fun. of war no, no doubt. and and it's and insane. trace That's it back to here, here. It,
0: yeah it's like the cosmic That's it's like the cosmic too. version of uh, having to go over and apologize to for breaking your neighbor's window with a baseball except for the fact that it's, it's us it's some
4: cosmic damage to some alien culture and they were like all right pack it up we're going down there we will Kick their ass,
0: but it's, it's never, never fucking aliens. aliens. Tell you what, we're gonna go to another break here. We'll be right back with something else, absolutely friggin' fa- fascinating. We don't know what it is, and neither do you. We'll be right back. This is Keep Your Hat On, on the Narrowband Broadcast Network for Chris, Robert, Mark. I'm Andy. We'll be right back. That's pretty much what we got for you here today on Keep Your Hat On, folks. Um, again, please do us a favor. Like, click, subscribe. Uh, if you feel like kicking us a few bucks to keep these, uh, these LED lights on, uh, you can always uh, vi- visit us on our Patreon page. Um, but until next time, do us a favor. For Chris, Robert, Mark, and myself, keep your hat on we may end up miles from here thanks a lot folks we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks stay safe wear your mask get your shot and we'll see you again really soon bye-bye
1: well there's a chunk of time you can't get back from portland oregon this has been keep your hat on a big little show about a whole lot of nothing in particular Keep Your Hat On is a narrowband broadcast network production in association with PodSquadPDX.com. Andrew Scott, executive producer. Robert Anthony and Chris Vacano, associate producers. Our theme music was written and produced by Andrew Scott along with help from Ron Kajawa. Website design and maintenance by Vacano Creative. Chris Vacano Webmaster. Available at VacanoCreative.com. Audio and video production by Andrew Scott, available at andrewscottmedia.com. Got ideas or comments for the show? Email us at talkback at kyhopodcast.com. And don't forget to like, click, and subscribe. On behalf of the boys, I'm your announcer, Michael Brumage. Thanks for listening. Uh, I guess.
3: Roast it, suck it off, clean it off. Roast it, suck it off, clean it off. Roast it, suck it off, clean it off. Roast it, suck it off, clean it off.
0: NBBN. The
2: Narrowband Broadcast Network. The focus is on you.